Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Steel Target Paint Podcast. I'm Jeff Jones. And I'm Steve Foster. How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing great, Steve. You know, uh, we're here at the end of the year, and uh, you reached out for one more podcast, and I think it's a great idea. Uh, and we all went through quite a, a harrowing Saturday evening. Uh, for those that uh, wanted to get into the World Speed Shooting Championships, were you able to get all the guns you wanted in the match? I, I did, Jeff, and I'm fortunate that I had a couple slots ahead of time for the Super Squad, which I'm thankful for. Because, you know, outside of shooting with the Super Squad, you know, great people on those squads, but, you know, it just took my stress level in half by registering. But, man, I... It's just, you know, some people said that it sold out in seven minutes and ten minutes. I'd probably argue it was gone in probably about two minutes just because not everybody was squatted yet. So by the time people squatted, you know, I, I guess there was some sort of glitch there towards the end where people signed up and their squads available. I'm not sure what happened outside of breaking practice score again this year. But, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm thankful shooting four guns this upcoming year. And the most important part is I got my daughter registered to shoot. Sunday afternoon with me, so that's probably what I'm looking forward to the most. How about you? You get everything uh, squared away? I did. I got five guns in, and uh, that's what I'd hope to shoot. Um, you know, I, I definitely, you know, went to the web, website and hit enter, and it was five minutes. Okay, great. Come back. One minute. Okay, great. Hit it again. 27 seconds. Okay, here we go. Get ready. And I had, you know, credit card number saved in the copy-paste buffer, and uh, I knew exactly what I wanted to do, and you know, when it was all said and done, I had five carry optics guns registered. <laughs> oh, so you did away with the revolvers this year. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I had a couple people ask me, and you know, the goal is to get in the match. Right. And the goal right. is to try to get a squad you're hoping to shoot on um most times at least on a day um some people like to start on certain uh stages uh, and of course it you know the order varies by uh, uh by the match you're at but yeah my goal was to get in so all the guns i initially registered were just carry optics i didn't care just get in the match get it paid get a squad and then right. go back, and now I've edited them to the guns that I want to shoot on those days. Which could yeah, change. Yeah, that's great. Now, I, I don't know if it happened uh, last year, but there was no approval or anything like that. It took you directly to payment, and yep. then you could squad. I, I think it was different last year, but this one was a little ago. bit more... Two, two years, years ago, this different. one was dead. Yeah. yeah, last year and this year more were, this, smooth, were the same. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I... I you know, I, I had posted uh, something on Facebook that said, you know, it sold out in 11 minutes. And there was a number of people that had a lot of different ideas on, you know, uh, their feelings on how to make it better. Um, and most of them were good ones. Um, the, the problem is, is that it is a supply and demand type thing. And, you know, from the steel shooting challenge shooting organization's perspective, if there were 704 people that signed up for single stack, that's great. They've got 704 entries. Um, 
And if you've got a person shooting one gun or two gun, you're shooting four, I'm shooting five. I'm sure there's going to be people that are shooting six and possibly seven. I shot eight last year. Um, wow. It's a supply and demand and, you know, having fast fingers. I think it was, I'm not sure if it was Nate McCord or Nate Gibson. One of them posted on the, 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 the thread that I had posted, and it was like the cat beating on the keyboard, and it was hilarious because that's how I felt. <laughs> but um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be another you know, good match. So somebody asked me this question, and you know, I apologize. I was going to reach out to you ahead of time um, to get you a little bit more prepared. So last year, um, well, I say last year, a couple weeks ago, the World Speed Shoot it wasn't that long ago. I know. Um, there was what six hundred and twenty guns somewhere in there. But how many people? How many unique people shot? Do you remember Jeff off the top of your head? Was it like a three to one ratio, like two hundred yeah, people? I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, Given me about two minutes as we're talking to play around with uh, a little Excel wizardry, I can figure that out. I wanted to say, because I think it was 650 guns, and I want to say it was 175 people, but it could have been more. Okay. Um, yeah, so somewhere in that, that realm. Because, you know, a lot of people are, um, you know, how how does USPSA address this going forward, so on and so forth. And in talking with Mike a little bit on a previous podcast, I think he alluded to one of the solutions is, hey, let's sell the thing out and then go from there and then maybe break it into different matches like maybe a centerfire match and then maybe a rimfire match and then maybe a PCC match if it gets too big. But uh, I, I think we're close to that. I don't think we're there yet i just wonder how many people would end up shooting uh multiple matches you know like what we just talked about you shot eight guns and i'm you know i shot five last year and i'm shooting you know four this year um if it was multiple matches would i travel down to shoot a center fire world speed shoot no but if i'm there will i shoot a center fire gun yeah probably so it'd be interesting to see well, you know, it's interesting, you know, it's, it's an interesting concept. And, and think about at Talladega where it's going to be for the next three years. In the morning, you've got eight slots per squad. So you've got eight times eight, 64 guns. In the afternoon, you've got 10 slots. So you've got 80. So in a day, there's going to be, uh, what is that work going to be? 144 guns being shot there's more than that in at least one if not two of the divisions right now in the world speed shoot sure um so to say that and then what you're doing is you're saying well what day is you know okay wednesday or thursday is going to be rimfire rifle open well you're going to lock out a lot of people that can't get up there often Right. Um, so it's 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 a tough situation. You know, you can't please everybody. Um, sure. I sure. had I had people, you know, saying they couldn't even get in. Uh, which you know, I don't know if it was their computer or or what. It's it's uh, it's unfortunate. So I'm here looking at the match breakdown. Okay, so the biggest division right now, technically, it would just barely fit. Rimfire Rifle Open has 119 entries in it. 
and then the next closest is PCCO at 93. And RFPO, the Rimfire Pistol Open. Yeah. Yep, and Rimfire Pistol Open at 92. And, and we've had this discussion uh, yeah. prior. You've got um, half the match or better is going to be in those three divisions. And, right. and that's great. That's what people want to shoot. So, But getting back to your question about uh, last year, uh, looking at it, there were 600 and 32 people shot the match. Unique total of people was 243. Okay. Okay. Two to one. Yeah, that's not too bad. Okay. I was thinking that, yeah, that's not bad at all. You know, and then if we just, if we just play our little round here, um, so Jake shot 11, Jessica Smith shot 8, Foley shot 8, I shot 8, Cole Bush shot 8, uh, Lance Bratcher Jr. and Bridget and Emily each shot 7, um, Chris, Tom, Chris Barrett, Tom Nalen, Steve Hart, uh, and Nate Gibson shot six, and then you've got, you know, you were in the group of five. There were, uh, looks like ten people that shot five, uh, and four seems to be one of the bigger uh, number of guns to shoot. Looks like there was 152 people that shot four. Um, three was 111. Oh, two was pretty. Two was huge. Two gun shooters was 170, and then uh, one gun shooters was 61. Uh, and this is something I've actually, you know, tried to point out to some match directors. Now, granted, this is the world speed shoot. Um, everybody's trying to maximize the number of opportunities um, to shoot, but most matches. Uh, this match had about 10% of the entries uh, of people shooting one gun. Uh, but a lot of your, your, uh, you know, area matches, uh, and even your state matches, and we experienced at the West Florida, it gets closer to 20 or 25% of the people are just shooting one gun. And this is why I've always been a, uh, an advocate for a fixed price on the number of guns. Yeah. So like $50 each as an example, Exactly. Right? That's the number Damn. that we hone in on, you know, at the West Florida uh, with uh, $5 per gun going to those wonderful painters so the competitors can just focus on shooting. Sure, sure. Well, Jeff, uh, I was shooting the uh, local Griffin Gun Club match this past weekend, and uh, Glenn, he's the match director. I've known Glenn for, what, 13, 14 years or so. Uh, he's the one that suckered me into starting the shoot steel challenge of all things, so it's all his fault for all this started. But uh, <laughs> he's a fantastic guy. But uh, you hear that, Teresa? We have we have the person to go point to. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and Glenn's phone number is no, yeah, exactly. But uh, <laughs> but he, issues. Um, 
almost right around the same time that I did, so I feel I feel for him. So I was talking to him for the second time this past weekend at the match, and you know, I asked him. I said, "Look, a lot of people are asking me because you know, Georgia's my home state here. You know, we're we going to do the Georgia State match or what?" And he said, "Unfortunately, no, they're not going to." Um, of course, COVID-related concerns. You know, the the board does not want to have a large group because the Georgia State match for the last couple of years has been the largest state-level match. I think last year was right around 350 guns, maybe registered. Um, as well as a couple of years before, well over 300 guns. So it's it's a pretty prominent match, and for a while, it's really kicked off the Steel Challenge uh, shooting season. And uh, unfortunately, do that as well as you know his range officer, his crew is a little bit older, so he says you know there's been a lot of ROs that are uh, pretty concerned about the virus and whatnot. And so instead of putting people in an uncomfortable situation, he's going to forego it. Um, so unfortunately, that's happening. But we've talked to a guy named Jamie, and he's trying to round something up, maybe to have a match down at uh, Little River down in Valdosta, Georgia. Not sure if it'll be called the Georgia State match, but around the same time, maybe end of February, end of March. But this will be their first uh, level two match, and they run a great, great local match down there. Uh, it's got a special place in my heart because, Jeff, that's where I shot my 58 was down there and, and his match. So it's, it's a great little club, and hopefully, uh, hopefully he'll get everything together. And I know he's working on it right now. He just texted me. Hopefully he can get uh, things squared away. We'll get a name for the match. We'll get it out on practice score and get some information out there. But I think if he does get this match together, I think it could be a pretty well-attended match um, since the Georgia State match is not going to be uh, not going to be online. So we'll, we'll see how all that, that Georgia, ends up. That Georgia State match was, was you know, again that the the first. Uh, uh, Level two or higher match of the year. Um, I'd been there for three years. I planned on going every year I could make it. Um, once you suffered through the match three years ago when it was like 37 degrees when we started shooting, uh, do you remember that? Match was like end of February and it was freezing. Well, so here, here's what happened. And I begged Glenn to move it because it was always the first weekend in February. And I said, no, man, you got to push that until March. Just give it just a couple more weeks to yep. to, uh, to warm up. And then, coincidentally, what happened, not last year, but the year before, it conflicted with Super Bowl Sunday or Super Bowl weekend. So I was like, all right, Steve, we'll move it. And, um, uh, yeah, so it was instead of, you know, 28 degrees out, it was like 39 degrees out when we started shooting. So that was, that was okay. Well, you know, I, I talked to Jamie and uh, – you know, hopefully uh, the club is going to agree, and and he's going to put one on. Uh, just in talking with him, I think it would be a great match. Um, I suggested he call it the FC match, and that would be the or, F. Yes, <laughs> F for COVID. <laughs> explicative COVID match. Yes, exactly, and that is. That is that is nothing against Glenn. I think he's he's making the right choices because he's concerned about his his RO staff, uh, and I think that's good. And quite frankly, um, you know, there while I think the match would have been well attended, we're seeing the World Speed Shoot selling out. Um, I think a lot of people are starting to feel the impact 
of uh, ammo and the uh, component shortage uh, that is happening. Yeah, hundred so, percent agree. You know, a, a lot of people uh, I know here at the at the Wyoming Club, uh, we're going. To, uh, I've heard word that we're going to go to an every other week format. So there'll be two matches every other week, uh, then two matches a week. Um, and I think part of that has to do with uh, a, a lot has to do with the ammo shortage. Um, the fact that, you know, they, we still haven't figured out COVID yet, although I, I will admit that we've been very fortunate to whack. Um, you know, we had one, one of our, uh, our shooters, his daughter got it. And, uh, you know, he socially distanced himself and, and quarantined himself. And I've heard of no other cases uh, happening. And, and that's not to say it's not true. It's not to say I don't believe in it. I believe in it totally. Um, but, uh, you know, outdoor environment, um, you've just got less of a chance of catching. Yeah, this sure. isn't a political show. This is the Steel Target Paint podcast. So let's talk some Heck more. Heck yeah, about. Jeff. So, um, so, hey, talk, talk about uh, you went down to the Ultimate Steel Challenge match. How was that? Was that I your did. first year or did you go last year? No, I went last year uh, and wouldn't have missed it uh, unless I didn't have any ammo or my car broke down uh, this year. Uh, had a blast. Um, didn't shoot as many guns this year, just decided to shoot two guns. Um, it's a lot of fun. The, uh, the range there, uh, the Volusia Gun, Gun and Hunt Club, um, is now owned by two shooters. And we may have mentioned this. It's Lloyd Corney and Gorka Ibanez. And the fact that you've got two shooters who own the range, so they're doing things for the shooters. Um, right. They've, they've got the eight stages of Steel Challenge dedicated on eight bays. So awesome. you can always go there. As a member, I believe you can go there, and for 10 bucks, you can shoot all day. As a non-member, I think you can pay 35 and you can shoot all day. Uh, and that's in a practice mode. As far as uh, matches are concerned, those are run by our, our good friend Greg Kearse. And... And again, he, he puts on a good match. He's, you know, the, the stages were set up properly. Uh, his wife would come around uh, probably, I think I saw her four or five times each session with, you know, water, snacks, lunch. Um, and on Saturday night, they put on a nice uh, pulled pork dinner uh, from a local barbecue place. Uh, and it was it was fantastic, and it was a lot of fun shooting the four retired stages. Um, oh, that's awesome! The um, <laughs> the general feeling was, um, and I've actually heard uh, Max Michelle say this: "Get rid of Pendulum and bring back Flying M." <laughs> <laughs> uh, and for those that's of you, the one where you shoot. That's the one where you shoot. Uh, is that the one where you shoot? Uh, the two outside targets, and then you go up to another box and shoot the remaining three? Actually, you shoot the two inner targets, then oh, move to the yeah. front box and shoot the outer gotcha. two and then the stop plate, which is dead center. And uh, it's, uh, it's a fun stage. They were, they were all fun. You know, uh, Double Trouble, uh, of course, was developed early on 
before rimfire was even considered part of the sport. Um, this year, the low ready was a little lower than it was last year. Because <laughs> last year, really? you were virtually pointing at the at the bottom plate when you were at the top of the uh, it's, uh, the uh, down ready. But that was a lot of fun. Uh, I think there was 105 guns that fun, uh, shot the match. Um, and it was a great time. Uh, saw a lot of good friends. Chris came down. Of course, he crushed it. I think uh, I heard Steve Lintz say that uh, if you took away the four stages, uh, that uh, the times on those four stages, he ended up shooting like a 57. Yeah, yeah. I talked to Chris the other night. Um, he said he had a blast. I think he shot a 79 overall. He yeah, said, yeah, those eight. Like that. Yeah, he said those eight shot a 57. He's like, man, I just fell out of second gear all day. And I said, I'd take that. He said, no <laughs> kidding. He said, just. Just felt super clean. I saw Reagan Hearn out there with a bunch of coffee cups. Holy cow, she's got to start drinking coffee or tea or something. Yeah, maybe she, hot chocolate. She definitely crushed it. Uh, there was a there were a number of people, um, the the juniors uh, that I work with, the Lander family. Uh, I think out of the six of them, uh, four juniors uh, and the parents. I think I have uh, five awards to give them tomorrow during our training session. Uh, so awesome. that was a lot of fun. And Greg, you know, it was a level one match because he shot the four extra stages. It could not be considered a level two match. So it was a level one match. And that afforded Greg the ability to not have to follow any guidelines in the rules regarding awards. Right, so right. Uh, he was a little heavy in the awards, uh, which is nice because a lot of people are going to remember the match because a lot of people you know, got a coffee mug. That's cool. And, you know, I, it was great seeing some of the video and pictures. I saw Kelly Perez and Lori and with Moose and then saw Brody Murray out there. And, yep. you know, Eddie was saying, hey, this kid's starting to shoot some twos and maybe sub-two strings. And I don't know how old Brody is. He's probably, what, I 12, think maybe somewhere in there. I saw, I saw Eddie. I saw them very at the end. They were, like Chris, we were exactly half a match apart so we actually never got to see each other is is i would come around the uh, berms to go in the back bays they were heading towards the other other stages um but i think uh, i know uh, eddie and brody shot the okay corral match the day before and if i'm not mistaken it was either at the okay corral match or the um the uh, ultimate steel challenge where where brody uh bumped up to the b class Oh, that's awesome. So he was very excited about that. Well, you know, there was another good uh, a good set of friends that were uh, at the match. Uh, Rick and Evie win. And I can't wait to get mine. But both of them are shooting the new Wyland chassis. Heck yeah. And Heck let yeah. me tell you. Hot beep. Um, cause this is a family show, so I can't, I can't swear. Um, it's G rated. Yes, it's G rated. So, um, I will put it this way. Hot stuff. That is banging. Let me tell you. I, yeah. uh, and, yeah. and it was, you know, what's really cool is here. You've got the Wyland chassis one shot by Evie, one shot by Rick totally configured differently 
to meet the needs of each of those shooters? Yeah, it's um, it, it's it's awesome. I've got a pair of them, and man, I uh, by the time this podcast comes out, I've actually uh, posted a video out on Instagram and YouTube, and as well as out on Facebook. Just giving a, I try to keep it to ten minutes or less. Just kind of walking through the chassis with some of the different features to make sure that people understand. And it really is a chassis designed by a shooter for shooters. And, you know, through my partnership with Todd, he's the one that makes my, you know, the Falcon compensators. We've had a lot of discussion about what shooters want. And my biggest frustration in helping anybody, let alone a junior shooter, is, is getting a stock that fits you. And it's virtually impossible. I mean, I think Volkortsen did a great job with their, you know, their eight-pound stock. It's more for precision shooting. We got adjustable comb and you yep. know all that kind of jazz. But it's heavy, and some people, you know, if you're strong, big and strong like Kobe, can shoot it. But you know, <laughs> us mere mortals, no, it's it's, it's an eight-pound gun. But you know, it's it's just a level of adjustability. And there's really, I call it an arms race, pun intended, that people are coming out with all these chassis and. You know, because everybody knows that to transition the gun, you need something that's that's light. And, you know, we won't go through the other chassis, but that's what Todd and Wyland USA did. They came out with a super lightweight chassis, one of, if not the lightest chassis on the market. Um, and it's the most adjustable chassis that I've seen for a 1022. You know, you could probably argue there may be some precision chassis that are out there something like that but that's a world i don't even play in but not not that lighted so just a couple of quick highlights jeff while we're talking about it is it comes with a 1.1 inch uh forearm tube and so that's uh that's you know it's carbon fiber so it's super light and then uh what a lot of people didn't realize is that um, you can access the trigger pins in the chassis you can pop those out and pull the trigger forward, and you actually take the trigger out of the gun while leaving it in the chassis, which is pretty, pretty slick. But I recommend the TK trigger pins, the cross pins, because they got a ball detent on them, so they stay in there. He's got his own um, uh, his own grip that's got a little shelf on the side for your thumb, or I call the thumb rest, and it's uh, canted like a 1911, whereas a lot of other grips are kind of forward. But there's a, probably an inch, inch and a quarter of adjustment there. So, uh, like, one of the things that drove me nuts about the Blackhawk Axiom that I shot for last year, that stock, I liked it because it was light, and I dropped my times because of the transition time, but the grip was further forward, about three-quarters of an inch, compared to a lot of other stocks. So this one, it's, it's purely adjustable. You could use a regular AR grip on it, but you have to make just a couple of, you have to trim it up just, just a tad. So those are really important adjustments and features. But then the back half of the chassis is really where I think the magic truly is in the design. So it's got, a, we'll call it a buffer tube for a lack of better term, but it's uh, the tube that holds the butt plate on. It, it moves up and down. It's got to be at least an inch of travel. And so I saw a post, I didn't comment on it last night, but there's somebody out there who said, hey, I had to raise my iron sights up a quarter of an inch or half an inch or something like that because they sat too low on the gun. Well, they're using another chassis with a non-adjustable, uh, you know, uh, buffer tube on it. And so that's why they had to adjust it. So with a Wyland chassis, you don't need to, you know, get custom-made uh, sight, uh, height sights and that type of thing. And so 
it, it really, you can get the type of cheek weld you want, and then it also, um, you starting to ship them now, has got an adjustable um, cheek riser that you can get for the stock. And then back in, um, back in June, when I held the first prototype and it was all made out of plastic, it was 3D printed, the magic I told Todd at the time, he looked at me like I had my head screwed on sideways. I said, the coolest part about this thing is the button side. He's like, really? Yeah, it just really sets in your shoulder. It's got a slight curve to it. And you can cant the the um, the butt plate, if you will, to the side if you want. You can, you can rotate it 360 degrees. And then you can move the butt, the butt stock or the butt plate uh, forward and back so you can, uh, you can get that first right shot, get that cheek weld that you're looking for. And so just the level of adjustability for it is absolutely fantastic. There's two other options that I talk about in the video and I don't have them yet. Is one, there's a hand stop that uh, goes on the front of the chassis. So I haven't seen it, so I can't comment on it, but the intent there is give some place for your hand to rest as you pull in the gun. And the other thing, um, and some people are like, well, you spend all this time and effort making the super lightweight chassis, but um, we came up with a system to put four quarter-pound uh, weights in the back so you can adjust up to a pound of weight, put it in that buffer tube, and the intent or theory behind it is, at least my thought is, is that if I have some weight further back, it may allow me to stabilize the gun, but also whip it a little bit quicker, um, knowing that transitions are pretty much the name of the game if you want to shoot ultra-low and competitive, competitive scores. Uh, well, yeah, and again, to your I point, you know, it's, it's the overall weight does matter, but it's also where the weight is. Yep, yep. You know, yep. if you've got a, um, you know, it's, it's real simple. Uh, you know, grab a, a five-pound weight, stick your arm straight out, and swing it and try to stop it on a dime, it's going to be very yeah. difficult. Now, have that weight back behind your elbow, and you can. it's still five pounds, but you don't have as much uh, force out there uh, with it moving. I had to look it up because I saw the post. I'm going to read the post, and the post was finally building an RFI rifle. My big fat head didn't work with the super low sights, <laughs> so I had Hawk Creek yep. Armory raise them. They are perfect. Yep. That was compliments of our friend, Stephen Hart. <laughs> yep. Hey, you throw his name out there. Love Steve like a brother. Great Absolutely. Guy. And, and I get his frustration. I think what they did is super, super clean. However, instead of spending that type of money, get a Wyland chassis, and you can adjust it to multiple shooters. Yep. Uh, well, one of the other, one of the other, two other features I want to talk about. One is is that when you insert a mag into the chassis, uh, if you don't have like the Kurt Grimes base pads, which I highly recommend, there's actually a cutout um, up in the chassis, so you can actually grab onto the magazine. And not a lot of other chassis I've seen have that feature. And it does have take advantage of the lightweight carbon fiber for that buttstock buffer tube, if you will. And what you can do is you cut that down to the length that you want. So if you're a super tall person, reach out to Todd. Um, he's going to start offering an extra long one. And just be careful when you're cutting carbon fiber. It's pretty easy to like with a hacksaw or something like that. You can put an angle on it to mimic the kind of jet. Just got to be careful of the little splinters that could be caused by cutting carbon fiber. So just be careful if you do that. 
but it's super, super easy to cut. It's interesting how sturdy it is, but it's uh, it's relatively easy to cut with like a hacksaw or something along those lines. So and that's for uh, which it's, part? It's a home run. The 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 buffer tube. The buffer tube. Okay, so it, it is a fixed. Yep, yep. Yep, but you can. Um, there's a slight adjustment in on there when you move the buttstock, maybe an inch of travel to get that level of adjustment. But if you want it, you know, like three inches shorter, you're going to have to cut the carbon fiber tube. And you can buy a replacement. And you know, I'll uh, list those on the website. You can buy replacement tubes if you want that type of thing. So, okay, and you're the only going to hacksaw. I shouldn't try to cut it with like my Ginsu knife, right? Get a get a good. Well, journey. you know. Uh, you may, may want to try with your Dremel because that's what all guns do. <laughs> if Todd's listening, Todd's like, "Yeah, use the giz, use the Ginsu, and then I'll sell you another one, and then try it with a butter, right. and yeah. then I'll sell you another one." <laughs> Absolutely. No. Well, I've got one um, uh, on order, uh, soon to be shipped. Um, uh, super secret uh, notification: it's being shipped to you, Steve. Because oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do some magic, huh? Yes, we're go- we're gonna get some magic on that uh, that stock, and uh, you know, as we talked, we're gonna we're gonna do a little preview of, of what's gonna happen, but we're not gonna show the f- the full engraving until I get it uh, in in my chubby little hands. Uh, but <laughs> you know, and let's talk about yeah. that engraving for a minute, man. You have been yeah. crushing some engraving on that thing. That is really cool. No, I, pre- I appreciate it, man. I'm having the time of my life, you know, because I like to be a creative type person. And, and, of course, I love guns and stocks and chassis and all this kind of stuff. So it's allowing me to get the, uh, the creative side out of me. And I've had to learn how to Cerakote. So I've done, you know, more than a handful of chassis and stocks. And I've got uh, one that I put out there, my Axiom stock from last year. I put a battle warrant finish on it and laser engraved the Axiom stock with the SwitchBolt logo and the Magnum Research logo. Came out super, super, super clean. That's the best part about having an engraving machine. And, you know, I actually took a Glock and cut a slide with it. So it's interesting to see, you know, based on the settings and adjustments, you can cut through a Glock slide or you can turn it way down to make sure you're just relay, uh, removing one layer of Cerakote at a time. So you're not, you know, baking a stock or anything like that. But super proud of how the chassis have come out, the stocks have come out, and you know, Joseph Renfro, he, uh, he trusted me to uh, to Cerakote uh, a chassis for him and laser it all up and Cerakote the base fast form, laser it all up, and that came out uh, really, really cool. So it's been cool. I've had people reach out to me. Hey, if you got ideas, heck, I, you know, I'm having a great time here. Reach out to me and. Let me know what you want, laser engraved. Maybe we do uh, some sort of Cerakote for you and laser engrave it. You know, well, I'm, based just having, on the, I'm just based having on fun, the, man. Right. Based on the, uh, I saw your Axiom stock, and that was that was pretty sweet. But based on the fact that that Axiom stock is, of course, it's a hard plastic, um, what's the potential for uh, stippling? Uh, so, <laughs> you're not the first person that's asked me that. Of course not. I've got an idea. <laughs> I've got an idea to uh, to do uh, like a classy type stipple pattern, and so I've got another Blackhawk Axiom stock sitting on my workbench, and uh, I've got some ideas. So the next one I circle, you will see a stippled grip on it, and uh, yeah, it's going to be super super cool. So yeah, you know, it's just the creative side, Jeff. I I love doing stuff like that, and having cool one-off stuff and 
yeah, it's just, man, I'm having a blast. I'm having a blast. Well, you know, Steve, you're, you're, you're of course, all over Facebook. We're all over Facebook. But, like, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, um, what's the easiest way for them to talk to you about, you know, the ability to get something laser engraved? Yeah, I think, the, you know, you can reach out to me on either my private or my uh, public Steve Foster Computer Shooting um, Facebook page. Let me page get, let me give out your e- phone number. Hold on, I got your phone number right here. Let That's me give cool. that out. <laughs> Where'd you get out the bathroom wall, Jack? Exactly, yeah, yeah. No. Or, wait, wait, it's, oh, it yeah. said, it, here's what it said. It said, for good lasering, call. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Thank you. I had to mark through what else and write write in lasering, or just send me an email at uh, stevefostershooting at gmail dot com, and uh, we'll get you hooked up. Got a cool kind of got a junior shooter that uh, I won't say who it is because his dad. I'm not sure is involving him yet, but we're gonna do up a super cool chassis with uh, some cool logo and that type of thing for him. So yeah, it's, I, I enjoy that that type of thing. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a blast. So I gotta ask. I gotta ask the the one question, because of course, how long did it take you to learn this stuff, and have there been any monumental failures? Woo! It's it's interesting. There's uh, if you know anybody know anything about CO two lasers and a fiber laser. I've got a fiber laser. It's a fifty watt. Um, if you were to buy one domestic in the United States. Uh, they are super expensive. I mean, they really start at twenty grand and go well, well north of that pretty darn quick. You can spend fifty grand pretty quick. And I talked to somebody else that's a friend of the podcast that's got a couple of them that I think they're hundred watt lasers, and they start off at a hundred thousand dollars a piece. So you can get up there pretty, pretty quick. I ended up buying a Chinese model, which is great for a fraction of the price, but there's not a lot of training <laughs> on it. So I'm having to figure out a bunch of stuff. And I would say, you know, it's it's not just so much the laser. It's all the software and how to vector something and how to get it uh, brought into the program, which has been, that's probably the part that I was most nervous with. So the basic stuff, you know, letters, numbers, that's pretty easy right out of the box. You get into pictures and that type of stuff, just a little bit more, but every time you use a different type of medium, such as, you know, engraving brass is different than engraving stainless, engraving plastic, it's all different. If you want to cut through something, you know, uh, you may have seen on my Creekside Custom Lasering Facebook page, I cut through a CWA uh, frame or a frame mounted um, optic mount. And that turned out pretty cool, but it took some adjustment. You know, if you don't have the right settings, that could take an hour, whereas if you have the right settings, it could take, a, you know, about 60 seconds. And so it's just figuring out all that stuff. And probably the thing that I've got the most stacked up in the corner of the shop is the rotary thing to do cups. Um, for whatever reason, I haven't mastered that. I could definitely engrave um, engrave a cup, but with a smaller logo. I can't get it to wrap around the entire cup without... Uh, having a little bit of a, it's a timing issue, and I haven't figured that out yet, but uh, all the other stuff has gone pretty, pretty well, but I, I, yeah, I certainly got a pile of, oops. (laughs) I I, I could see you going to the local uh, scrap metal yard going, how much for some scrap metal? 
I don't I just take <laughs> some. Great, that's what I need. I I need to make a smiley face and then I need to do a star and then I need to do my name and <laughs> make sure I understand how to do this before I start putting on people's uh guns and I think you've I think I didn't you do one, didn't you engrave a rock? I I've engraved probably fifteen rocks. I haven't put them all out there. Yeah, because some people, you know, don't want their stuff out there, and that's cool. Sure. But I've engraved several rocks. My wife, she's been into that for the last couple of years, and uh, so I've she's painted some, and I've done quite a few memorial stuff for people. Um, probably the coolest one we did is somebody that uh, the girls uh, play tennis with. It's their coach, and she's a good friend of my wife. She unfortunately lost her son a couple of years ago, and so my wife asked her, uh, because of the anniversary of his passing here not too long ago. So my wife asked her, you know, what's your favorite memory of of him or being together? And she said, oh, this time that we're out in Hawaii. So my wife created, a, you know, painted a beach scene with a couple palm trees, and then I engraved silhouettes of them in, in another part of the scene. So that turned out exceptionally well, and, uh, you know, of course, brought her to tears and all that kind of stuff and so I've enjoyed doing that type of thing as well and I've got a couple of other things in motion right now that's outside of the gun world but um, you know it's still pretty pretty cool stuff so yeah more to, more to come on that but we're having uh, we're having fun and if anybody's got a project out there you want to partner with let me know but uh, yeah Jeff the first time I took a laser to uh, I don't know, a $3,000 JP. I was a little nervous. <laughs> and rightly nervous, so, but. rightly so. But, you know, yeah. having known you for a couple of years now, uh, uh, your meticulous nature has paid off, and, and you're definitely producing some, some uh, fine quality engravings. So congratulations on that. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And, and, you know, a lot of it, that's a... I'm going to be engraving a lot of base pads and those type of things, which I've done quite a few of those, but people have escalated quickly to full-blown, you know, firearms, and then certainly uh, I've, I've done a lot on stocks and chassis, which, which I've enjoyed. So, yeah, I'm just, just having a good old time. Have you engraved your Steel Challenge steel set yet? I have not, but you know what I... <laughs> You know what I'm going to do is, uh, and I've got it on my to-do list, is I'm going to um, take my top shelf off my range tactical gear cart, and I'm going to engrave that bad boy. Nice. Yeah, huh? Well, the nice. cat out of the bag, but I think that ought to be pretty cool. So awesome. I, can do a, I can do an area 12 inches by 12 inches, so that's a pretty good size, pretty good size engraving, so... Well, fantastic. Well, Steve, as always, it's great talking with you. I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. I, I wish everyone a uh, happy holiday and, and a safe uh, holiday time. Um, hopefully you're able to uh, spend some time with family uh, safely and friends. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing everybody, hopefully before the World Speed Shooting Championships. But... Uh, if that's what it has to be, that's what it has to be. But, you know, as we talked earlier, there's seems like that match in Valdosta may happen. So uh, we're, we're, I'm yeah. keeping my fingers crossed. Yeah, we're certainly going to do everything we can to help Jamie get it rock and rolling. And before I leave the Wyland chassis uh, thing, if you want a discount, it's 5% off. Use uh, Foster05 and get 5% off your chassis. Pretty much equates to free shipping. 
And then uh, for steeltargetpaintorrayshore.net, uh, ST Podcast 10 will get you 10% off there. Thank you to all of our sponsors for the team of Steel Target Paint. We've had a great season despite how unique of a season it was. Thanks to Larry and the uh, Steel Target Paint Rainstore.net family. And we look forward to some very exciting things in 2021. And thank Absolutely. you to everybody for their support, their support for the podcast. It means a lot to us. Yep. And thank you to every one of you people out there that are listening. Um, we really appreciate it. Steve and I, um, this is a labor of love. You know, if we get 10 people that listen to an episode, but they all liked it, we consider it a success. This is, this is not monetized. Uh, this is something that we do just to have some fun. Uh, if you've listened to more than one episode, you know, we like to laugh. Um, we didn't bring up the home range. I kind of did. Yeah, I said, you know, your own, you know, your, your steel challenge set. But, uh, you know, I love that running joke, and, uh, and, it, and it's great. And uh, I just want to thank everybody and, and again, wish you all uh, a safe and happy holiday. Same to you, Jeff. Take care, man. All right. Bye-bye.